Our text for this Christmas Eve comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, and verse 11. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who has been born the king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising, and have come to pay him homage. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Let us pray. Christ Jesus, you entered into the world so long ago in such humble circumstances to become our Lord. Yet we resist. We want our way, not yours. Lord, on this holy night, help us to surrender ourselves and truly, finally, make you Lord of our lives. Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts may be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. <clears throat> Grown men falling down on their knees in front of a peasant boy. That's ridiculous. Grown men hardly paid any attention at all to little boys, not until they became men. This was unseemly, not the way that decent, upstanding, powerful men should behave. Well, Matthew tells his story for a reason. He wants to make a point about the Christ child. Now, during Advent, we've talked about different names that are used for Jesus. We talked about Messiah, and Savior, and Emmanuel, which means God with us. But now, in the story of the Magi, Matthew really raises the stakes. The wise men have not come looking for a God to be with them, Emmanuel, they're looking for more than a savior, as important as that may be. They came to Bethlehem to make this baby their Lord. Well, why does that matter? What's it mean? What's the difference between savior and Lord? Well, here's one way I can explain it. Uh, occasionally, I get the opportunity to go to other churches to preach. A pastor will invite me in, and sometimes when that happens, the pastor invites me to stay in the parsonage. And uh, when I arrive at, at their house, uh, I'll, I'll walk in and they'll take me with my luggage and show me the bedroom where I'll be staying. And the conversation goes something like this. My, my pastor friend will say to me, you'll be staying in here. Please feel free to make yourself at home. Put your stuff where you'd like. If you need to hang something up, here's a place to do that. Uh, this will be your space. Uh, feel free to spend any time in here that you want. And then they'll give me a tour of the house. Uh, they might take me to the den or the family room. And, and again, they say, this is, you know, you're welcome to the TV. Here's the remote. If you'd like to relax, please make yourself at home in here. And they'll take me on to the kitchen and, and show me where I can find something to drink or snacks. Sometimes that's a risky proposition. But once again, there's the invitation to make myself at home, to get whatever I need while I'm there. If I need a quiet place to study, they may show me to, uh, to a place in the house where I can do that. And the tour goes on through the house with similar invitations to completely be their guest, to feel comfortable, and to make myself at home. There's one room they always leave out, though. Never does the pastor take me to the master bedroom, nor the master bathroom. Uh, they don't invite me to come into the master bedroom and say, well, this is where we sleep. Feel free to come in anytime you want. They don't invite me into the master bath and say, uh, this is our bathroom, but you just come in anytime you like and make yourself at home. No, as, hospital, as hospitable as they are, as welcoming as they are of me into their home, the pastor never 
extends that invitation to those private parts of the house. The pastor there keeps some parts of the house to him or herself. Now, when I get home from that trip, I walk into my own home. I go anywhere I want. I go into any bedroom I want. I go into the master uh, bedroom, the master bathroom. I open up closets. I look under beds if I like. It's my house. I can go anywhere I want. Uh, it's, It's all mine. I'm no longer a guest, but I am in my space over which I've got uh, a large degree of control. There's quite a difference. Well, the offers of Savior and Emmanuel are very attractive to us. Uh, God shows up when we're hurting. Emmanuel, well, I like that idea. I like the notion that that during the pandemic or when I find myself in the hospital or when my loved ones are sick, that I have a God who cares and shows up and is present. That's comforting. I enjoy that part of the faith. Uh, I like the idea of Jesus as a great physician, that when people I care about are sick, that I believe that Jesus shows up in a healing way even today. That's comforting. That's reassuring. That's one of the benefits of the faith. I, I love this idea of a God who forgives, that no matter how often or when or how big I mess up, that when I confess that sin, that God is faithful and just to forgive that sin. Again, that's a very soothing, comforting idea. There's so many benefits that go with following Christ that I can be excited about, that, that I welcome into my life. Those are, uh, those are very good things to include. Uh, who wouldn't want all of those things? But if that's as far as we go, we may have just invited Christ to be a guest in our lives, not Lord. We want him around. We want Jesus available to fix what's broken, to comfort us when we're hurting, but we want to stay in control. Sometimes we want a Christ who shows up in our lives to do our bidding to keep us comfortable. But there might be parts of our life where Jesus is not allowed. Just like that master bedroom in my friend's house, there may be parts in our own lives uh, where we would rather Jesus stay out. Rooms within our own homes to which we are not willing to give the key. But Jesus is Lord? That's an entirely different matter. And inviting Jesus to be Lord of our lives, surrendering ourselves to, to Christ, that's going to cost us something. No longer are we asking Jesus to be a guest in our lives. We are asking him to be ruler of our lives, to take over our lives. That means that Christ's will will matter more than our own. No longer will it be what we want out of life, but what Christ wants for us and for his kingdom in our lives. Not us getting our way, but God getting God's way. That's tough. I think it's especially tough for us Americans because we value our rights so dearly. Uh, we dare defend our rights, we say. It's, it's all about standing up for ourselves and for our rights. But when we surrender to Christ as Lord, no longer is it about our rights, but about what's right to Christ. Not about our rights, but about what's right to Christ. When we surrender to Christ as Lord, he is no longer a guest in our lives, but he is the ruler of our lives. We give Christ control of every aspect 
of our finances, of our emotions, of our relationship, of our job, uh, of our habits. Uh, Christ is Lord of all. The Magi fell on their knees to their Lord. Will we do as much tonight? On the night of Christ's birth, will you surrender your life to him? Is he a guest in your life or ruler? As we receive Holy Communion tonight, I pray that we may say with bold conviction, Jesus is my Lord.